0: Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Going to get to the outside. He has blockers in Brady Quinn looking, pump fakes, he rolls to the near side, throws it, it's caught by Samaja. inside the 20, inside the 10, he's going in, Notre Dame and scores!
1: Jones is the back, he's got it again, and Jones, a letter rule, Tony Jones makes a cut, gets a block, and scores! Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's going on? And welcome to the show. This is Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Rojack. He's Luke Smith. And today, we're here to get you ready for Notre Dame's game against the BYU Cougars in Las Vegas that will take place this Saturday at primetime on NBC. If you can't get excited for this one, or at the very least, uh, appreciate the irony of a matchup between Catholics and Mormons in the Sin City, I'm not sure you have a pulse. So we're going to break down what BYU does on both sides of the ball Discuss how Notre Dame might try and exploit that. And of course, we'll give our final score predictions. Then we'll take some time to answer your questions. And I have to say, those of you who submitted questions this week, uh, you guys did a really good job. We don't always do this, but after seeing these, we might have to do it uh, more often. Before we get going, though, we ask that you please like and subscribe to our channel if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe there as well. We're going to take a quick break for a word from DraftKings, and then we'll dive into Notre Dame versus BYU.
0: The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Uh, Now, looking at the next week's early NFL slot, um, there's some kind of some... Not a ton of interesting games, but one that does really strike me is uh, we have the Eagles going on the road to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Right now that spread is at 5. Look, I really don't think the Cardinals are very good. I I don't think Kyler Murray is going to be able to keep doing what he's doing. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a very good coach, and it appears that the Eagles, unfortunately, are pretty good. Uh, I think they cover on the road.
1: I like the Lions, plus 3, on the road against New England. Both teams are 1-3, and so it's not going to be the best game on the field, but the lions have lost by combined nine points in their three losses. Uh, I actually think they'll win this one outright, but if they lose the data tells us it's going to be by three points. So the worst I can do, uh, is a push here and I'll take it.
0: All right. Fair enough. Um, Now, to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long, and you can do this by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins and you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SOS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL Minimum age and eligibility
1: restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Okay. At the time of this recording, it's Monday night. Luke, you're about what? Three days away from heading to Vegas. How's the mindset? Um, yeah, I'm not really ready
0: for that. Uh, to be totally honest, that feels like a lot right now. Um, And it'll be fun. Uh, But, yeah, I'm not really looking forward to going to Vegas on Friday morning.
1: (laughs) You might be the first person I've heard who has a Vegas trip on a weekend plan and they're not pumped. They're not thinking about it. I I mean, pretty much everybody I've talked to is not in
0: the right state for that right now either. So uh, I think there's just a lot of not it it actually has nothing to do with this team, which you would have thought differently two
1: weeks ago. It's just the idea about going to Vegas is, is a lot right now especially to play a Notre Dame football game. It's just, it's a very, I don't know. The vibe around this game is weird. I think it's because Mm -hmm. Notre Dame is coming off a bye week one that is very early. And you and I talked about this offline. When we went to school there every single year, the bye week landed, um, right around the same time as midterms, right? So around like week seven, that was like a calculated move by the school. Yeah.
0: And I actually, now that you say that, um, I think another reason for that, right, is that it would usually be, like, right after um, midterms and then fall break would be that week. So it would allow kids, like, the opportunity to go home for a couple days, too, including kids on the team. That's obviously not the case this year. Um, Yeah, I don't know why they're doing it. I think it's the earliest we've had the bye week since 2014. Um, So it's been quite some time since they've done it this early in the year, and I I don't understand the rationale behind it. Maybe it is because – This game is being played in Vegas, and there's just so much production around it, but I I don't know. I don't know the answer.
1: Yeah, either way, just a sort of different vibe around this one, but you're right. Notre Dame, two weeks ago, I was feeling very down about this game. Now That was obviously right after Notre Dame had lost to Marshall, and that same night, BYU was in a double overtime nail-biter against Baylor where both teams were actively trying to lose. At least their field goal kickers were. But at the time, I thought Baylor— was a much better team than they ended up being. They're still pretty good, but uh, that win doesn't look as good in hindsight. And then the following week, BYU gets handled by an Oregon team who I think we're all a little bit unsure unsure about after what they did in the season opener against Georgia, I guess I should say, what Georgia did to them. So set aside the Vegas part, just strictly about BYU. um, Notre Dame is favored by three and a half. Do you think that's appropriate? Like, How do you feel about Notre Dame's chances in this one?
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised to see that that's where it's at, um, but like I, I thought that just maybe it would be closer to a pick-em. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I think that a lot of that probably has to do with how BYU looked against Utah State, which was not very good. Uh, Notre Dame obviously did some nice things on offense against North Carolina, so maybe there's some thought there, but um, I, I mean, look, they're number 16 team in the country, right? And we're not even receiving votes right now, I don't think. So we're still favored by three and a half. I know that the talent would probably tell you that's right, but um it's just a little bit interesting.
1: Do you think Notre Dame is automatically ranked if they win this one?
0: I've heard th- the assumption seems to be yes. I don't know if that would necessarily be true, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I think um, I'm with you. Like the fact that they're not receiving any votes right now, that there's a lot of
1: ground yeah. to, to make up there. I was surprised I I heard some people say that they think if Notre Dame wins they just shoot right up and and I'm with you they're they're not getting really any votes right now I I guess we'll see I mean it just depends on what people's perception is of BYU but this will be a really interesting matchup it's it's so funny I keep going back to this you and I after the Ohio State game thinking we're not going to learn anything about this team. And then, sure enough, we learned a bunch of unfortunate lessons the following week. Now, every week seems like a test. When Notre Dame was playing against North Carolina, I went into that thinking, this is going to be a huge test just in the sense of if this offense can't move the ball against North Carolina, who can they move the ball against? Now, they obviously, on offense, they played really well against North Carolina, so that's very encouraging. But BYU is a much better team against North Carolina. So if there's anything from this game that you hope to learn about this team, what do you think it would be? That's a good question. Um,
0: I, I guess I just want to be able to to learn if they can do some of the same things they did on offense last week, particularly, or not last week, the week before, particularly with the running backs. Um, just because I thought they were really creative and able to use them both in the running game and the passing game, and and I think they will be able to do some things um, with that they did against North Carolina, but. Yeah, I don't know. Every week kind of feels like its own season this year, which is not really how I saw things going. But it's also strange where this is now game three of the Drew Pine experience, and it's also coming off a buy, so I have no idea what that means or looks like, but yeah.
1: I like how you said experience rather than era. Two very yeah, different meanings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it is, and and that's intentional. But... Credit to Drew Pryne for what he did against North Carolina. And looking back to last year, now it's a little bit different circumstances because the bye week happened so much later in the season, but Notre Dame pre bye week in 2021, as opposed to post bye week, those are two different teams, at least on offense. So this is obviously Marcus Freeman's first time uh, as the head coach with the bye week. I don't know if we're going to experience something like that drastic uh, on either side of the ball, but it, from based on what he said in his press conferences, Notre Dame practiced, I think it was three times last week, and um, it was pretty physical. Now, guys who are a little bit banged up, like DJ Brown, Ramon Henderson, and apparently even Michael Mayer, uh, didn't practice as much last week. That seems more precautionary. I do think they're all going to play this week. But. It's, it's going to be a test for sure. And as you mentioned with Drew Pine, like he's hopefully more comfortable now and the offense is a little bit more catered to what he does well. And we'll see because this BYU defense, uh, they haven't really been that great this season. So I guess it could be a good opportunity for Drew uh, to really take that next step after that North Carolina game. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, just the ability to build on performances, I think will be will be really interesting to see if he can do that.
1: What can you tell us about
0: BYU's defense? It's not a, it's not an awful group, but I wouldn't say it's a very good group either. Um, now, last year, it was a really bad defense that they had, and so they have made some improvements, I guess, in that regard. But um, like I said, it's not super impressive either. Schematically, they'll run multiple, but it's, it's mainly a 3-4. They don't blitz very often. They did blitz a bit more against Baylor and had some success with that, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, if they do try to get after Drew Pine, but I'd look for them to put seven in the box against Notre Dame, just like every single opponent left on the schedule should, um, unless you're North Carolina and you decide to, (laughs) I don't know what you're doing. Um, however, as I alluded to earlier, I I do think Notre Dame should be able to run the ball against BYU, both Utah state and Oregon ran for over 200 yards against the Cougars. and, And Notre Dame should be able to do that exact same thing too. Um, they're 115th in run defense grade on PFF and 122nd in, in EPA per rush. They're just not very disruptive. Uh, they, they get dominated at the, at the point of attack, and this is a really good opportunity for our offensive line to build upon. Um, some much better performances the last two times out, I guess, and really last week. Um, they, they just they aren't very disruptive. Um, in terms of actual names, They got a linebacker, Max Tooley. He probably sticks out the most. He has two pick sixes on the year. Um, They also have another linebacker, Ben Bywater, with two picks of his own, which makes me wonder how they have linebackers with four picks and our entire secondary has none. But (laughs) that's probably a different conversation. Um, But yeah, I I don't think it's a super impressive group, but I'm not going to say they're horrible either. They're just, um, they don't really do anything that
1: great. They did give up 41 points to an offense led by Bo Nix. Mm. Something mm. to consider. So yeah. for Notre Dame in this one, since Jared Patterson came back um, and has appeared to be more healthy than he was at the start of the year, like I don't think it's a coincidence there that, that Notre Dame's offensive line has been much improved. You would think with the bye week he's able to rest up a little bit, be closer to 100%. Um, and that should be really good for Notre Dame. I don't really know, like the more I think about that North Carolina game, like Notre Dame ran the ball so well, but then again, North Carolina's defense was so, so bad. And like you said, they were playing 10 yards off the ball on Notre Dame's receivers. And for what reason? I don't know. That That's one of those things where like these college football coaches spend nights in their office. I'm sure they spend so much time game planning and prepping, and then they do stuff like that, that. You and I could tell you like yeah, the I words do of, it.
0: the words of Chisdom weren't playing off that day um I, I i honestly, I know it's like a return stint in year one of that, but it's kind of remarkable he does still have a job um with how bad they although hey they held Virginia Tech to ten points this past week, so bounce back for the for the uh North Carolina defense no, that offense is just <laughs> dog water,
1: um but yeah. I don't expect a similar game plan for the Cougars as the Tar Heels did. But still, I think Notre Dame should be able to have success. As for BYU's offense, they're pretty good. They're tied for 44th in the country in scoring offense, which isn't super impressive. They're averaging 34.4 points per game. But they are 14th in the country in yards per play with 6.7. That's very good. And a lot of that has to do with your quarterback, Jaron Hall. He's going to be drafted. Um, Notre Dame, so far this year, this will be the fifth game, and they've already played three really good quarterbacks. Um, Jaron Hall's 6'1", 205. He's got a cannon. He loves to throw it deep. BYU has good receivers on the outside to throw it to. But we should point out their top target and their uh, leading receiver last season, Puka Nakua. I'm probably saying that wrong, but I'm trying. Uh, He's been injured. His status for Saturday's game is uncertain. Um, but then again, so is Josh Downs, and he tore Notre Dame up. Uh, so let's just assume he plays. They've got him. They've got another wideout named Gunnar Romney, who averaged yeah. 17.5 yards per catch last season. And then they've got Keanu Hill, who so far this season has four touchdowns on 16 receptions. He's averaging 20.6 yards per catch. Honestly, when I was doing research on BYU, I just thought, like, how the hell does uh, does BYU have these explosive – wide receivers on the outside, but Notre Dame doesn't, but that's either here nor there where Notre Dame's defense can have success. BYU doesn't run the ball particularly well. Uh, And in their win against Baylor in double overtime, they only rushed for 83 yards and in their loss to Oregon, they only ran for 61 yards. So the game plan here for Notre Dame is probably pretty simple. Make, BYU one-dimensional, shut down the running game, force them into passing situations. And then don't get beat deep because they like to throw it deep. If Notre Dame could just bend and don't break, I think they have a good chance because BYU is really bad in the red zone. They are 104th nationally. Now that, granted, mostly is because their field goal kicker is horrible. Uh, They've scored 13 touchdowns and 24 red zone attempts. But as long as Notre Dame can slow down the run or pretty much eliminate it, I feel very good about what Notre Dame's defense can do to contain them because like I said, they've already played some really good quarterbacks, and they had a lot of success so far against those guys. Yeah, I, I'm really
0: not that concerned about um, about this BYU offense. It is it is a fine offense. I mean, really, the only two times I've seen them play this year were that aforementioned double OT game where they tried to lose it a couple different times. Uh, and then I watched a little bit of the Utah State game last week, and they didn't look that great. Um, now, the offense is fine, uh, but... I. I'm really not that concerned. I I do think they should be able to get after this quarterback and and make his day difficult. Um, Yeah, but you're right. It is just seeing some of these statistics with these receivers with touchdown catches and what we have one One. receiver with a touchdown catch this year. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's good. (laughs) It's not great. Um, Hopefully that changes this weekend, but we'll have to see. One thing I wanted to ask you, you'll obviously be there, so you're going to be the source on this. What do you think the crowd uh, dynamic is going to be for this one? Because I actually think BYU is going to travel really well. Now, granted, it's because Utah is not nearly as far away as Indiana, but I think it's going to be pretty split. I do think BYU
0: fans are pretty rabid. Like I think they... have f- I mean, what else do they have to do, right? I, I do think there'll be a decent amount of them, but this kind of feels like it's going to be like a 70-30 Notre Dame split. That's a lot. I mean, it's Vegas. There's There's so many just random Notre Dame people that are going to be at this. Like, I was kind of thinking about this actually the other day. The only – or th- not the other day, this morning. This is – why I, I guess I should be excited about going because there's going to be a lot of people that like are all going to be in one place at the same time that that probably won't happen very often. Many other times in my life, like they're all in Las Vegas at the same time for this football game. Like that, I guess that is kind of cool. I just hadn't, I'm just not that excited about actually going to Las
1: Vegas. <laughs> it's so early in the week. So hopefully by the end of the week, you're more energized because it is really exhilarating, just on any weekend going to Vegas, and you're like flying in, and you realize sort of the debauchery that is about to happen. Now this is going to be a little bit different because you've got a football game. You doing two full days in Vegas though, that's going to require some stamina.
0: It's really like a day and a half, I guess, because I feel like Saturday is not as much because the game's yeah. at like four thirty Pacific time or something like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, and then I think I'm out. Early,
1: early Sunday. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's the best thing to do is just get the hell out of there. I guess I'm, I I might be reading too much into this. Last year – now, obviously, this is a different fan base. I know that. But Utah really showed out uh, in the Pac-12 championship. And I know it's two different teams, but it's – I feel like similar programs, similar fan bases, and they completely took over Las Vegas based on everything – that we've heard. So I'm a, I am ai think BYU fans are a little bit more toned down than Utah. Um, but I think there's going to be a super large contingent of BYU fans at this one. You want to get into some score predictions?
0: Yeah, so I, I think I've kind of made this clear. I don't really have a great feel for how this game is going to go, um, to be totally honest with you. But I, I do think we should be able to see a lot of that same stuff we saw with the running backs in the UNC game. Um it just it could be because the bye week is so early in the year this year, but it just feels a little bit odd or like I feel like this season is very start and stop. I, I don't know. Um maybe I'm just this is me in my own head, but I do think Notre Dame wins this game. I'm gonna say 31, 24.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. Um I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. BYU has more of an explosive offense. But like we've been saying, they struggle on the line of scrimmage. And over the past six quarters, Notre Dame has really looked good on on both lines. And I think that'll continue. Um, But to be honest with you, I think the biggest difference maker in this game is going to be special teams. We've kind of alluded to it already, just how important this could be. But if you're listening and you haven't really watched BYU at all this season, I I really can't stress enough how impossibly bad they are. (laughs) Like their field goal kicker has converted one out of his last six field goals. Their long snapper is hurt. Their punter has been bad. They've already given up a kickoff return for a touchdown. So I'm going to go on record here and say Notre Dame is going to block a punt in this one. Um, They've come close multiple times, and we know that uh, the special teams coordinator, Brian Mason, loves to get after it, especially in punt block. I think he, he doesn't even call it the punt return team. He calls it the punt block team. So I think Notre Dame finally gets over the hump there. They block a bunt, and I think special teams is going to be the difference. So I'm going to take Notre Dame by a field goal, 27-24. Okay. Yeah, I could
0: see it being a field goal game, but I feel like it's a game that never really feels that close. Like I, I don't know. It just it, I feel like this game could kind of be a, a boring one, to be totally
1: honest with you, but I think we'll win it. If it's boring, that probably bodes well for Notre Dame, mm-hmm. I would say. I wouldn't really want to get into a shootout with this team. If there's one thing... You want to see from Notre Dame? Like, I, I think for me, it would be get out to a fast start because Notre Dame in the first quarter has been absolutely just brutal to watch. So, is there anyone, like, player wise, or anyone specifically in this game that you're like really excited to see, or at least hoping for the best?
0: I think it's I think it's that what you just mentioned, and also just seeing some more production out of the wide receiver position. Like I, it doesn't have to be a lot, but I just need to see a little bit more. It's just to take some <laughs> of the load off of Michael Mayer and the running backs because it's uh, there hasn't been a whole lot going on there. Yeah, the bar is so low.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, we're not asking exactly. for a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like a uh, hundred yards receiving is that too much to ask? It could be. It could yeah, be. Yeah, It might be. <laughs> All right. We are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to answer your questions here on the show. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out.
0: This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing wear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. All right, yeah, so now it's time for some questions. Really appreciate everybody sending these in. Uh, we'll start here with one from Drew Brennan, who has definitely written questions in before. So appreciate that, Drew. Um, question is, while they are a really good team, is the press going to bring up that Ohio State has played five home games to start the year? In between Michigan and Ohio State, the Big Ten's two best teams, they've played nine of their first ten games at home. Reaction of the press if Notre Dame played five at home to start? Do you want to take this?
1: Yeah. Uh, Shout-out, Drew. Uh Long-time listener and long-time caller, it seems. So appreciate that. I was surprised by this. I had to double-check it when I I I saw this. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. With Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. I can't hate on Ohio State scheduling too much because I feel like they're one of the the teams, one of the good teams who – Every year, they're willing to play a tough non-conference game. We saw that, obviously, this year when they opened up with a top-five matchup against Notre Dame in the season opener. And then next year, they're going to travel to South Bend. So credit to them. Um, there's a lot of big-time programs who don't do that, like Michigan. Okay, Their non-conference schedule was absolutely ridiculous. It's one thing if they had tried to play a historically good or even decent team, and that team has a down year. It's like okay, we it it's not their fault that the other team is in a down year. Michigan did not even do that. They they opened with Colorado State at home, Hawaii and UConn all at home. That's absolutely ridiculous, and I think it should be held against them more than it has been. Like they're ranked fourth, I think, in the AP poll, and. I just – I don't get it. I, I, I truly just don't understand why people are so high on him at this point. So, But to answer the question, if Notre Dame did, it would probably be the same narrative as always, that Notre Dame plays an easy schedule, even though that's just not the case at all.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. Um, but, yeah, I honestly did not realize that about Ohio State. I did realize it on Michigan because it's it's laughable. Uh, and, and, I mean, we've seen how they've looked against two – Mm, So, so Big Ten opponents the last two weeks. It hasn't been super impressive, so there's that too. Um, Now that I look at Ohio State's schedule, they play eight home games, which is a lot, it feels like. Are we playing six this year or seven? Well, I mean, the BYU game is technically home. Right, right, but but true home games.
1: Yeah, I think it's six.
0: Yeah, that's crazy then. But yeah, Ohio State, the only road games are at Michigan State this week, which Michigan State stinks this year. Penn State, which is... A challenging that's a environment. Ryan Field. So, that's nothing. Uh and Which will be renovated? <laughs> yeah, right. And Maryland. Um that brings me to a larger point about the Big 10 was it's really bad this year. Uh last Saturday was the first time I was really able to watch like a full day of games with just not having to be anywhere and being able to sit down and watch games. And I was blown away by how bad the Big 10 is. It's just not it's not good football. Ohio State is very good, don't get me wrong. Um but the rest of it is uh like Iowa, they you said this, they should be relegated. They should not be allowed <laughs> to continue to play. Big
1: Ten football. I wish should apologize to Fox, every viewer, everyone for making Petrus is the worst quarterback I have ever seen. And
0: he has that orange mustache that doesn't help. He just he looks like such a scab.
1: Yeah. It. I uh I saw something where Notre Dame was projected to to potentially play Iowa in a bowl and I like of all the bad things to happen this season to Notre Dame, that might be the worst. If <laughs> yeah, I, that would be worse than losing to Marshall at home, having to play yeah. Iowa, and having before having to be forced to watch that game, uh, to watch it again. So yeah, answer Drew's question. It it probably be the same as ever. Like people are going to hate on Notre Dame's schedule regardless of the opponents, and I think this year uh, proves that. So next question. This one comes from at three hundred two Brandon. When will the Irish make it to the big game again? Uh, I'm assuming he means the playoff. Okay, so that's what I was going to
0: ask, if he meant the national championship or or a playoff. I mean, because honestly, Clemson's a pretty big game. So is USC, and hey, even Syracuse is ranked now. So we've got a couple ranked matchups coming down the pipe. But uh, assuming we're talking college football playoff, I mean, there's no reason why Notre Dame shouldn't be competing for that next year. Um, You get a full year under Marcus Freeman's belt. Um, they figure out whatever they're doing at quarterback and, and hopefully, honestly, fill some more holes in the transfer portal, um, just because they have to, but there's honestly no reason they shouldn't compete next year, even though I do know the schedule is very challenging.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the hope would be next year. I think there's plenty of reason to believe that they will be better next year. Schedule's tough again. Um, but you think about it next year is the probably the last year of the 14 playoff. And then following that year, like Notre Dame, if, if the CFP expands to 12 teams in 2024, which right now it's, it's definitely going to happen in 2026. They're trying to move it up to 2024. That is still to be determined. But once that happens, there's really no excuse for Notre Dame to not be in that every single year. So for the sake of this discussion, though, we'll say college football playoff. Uh, I think that it's reasonable p- to believe that next year Notre Dame will be back in the college football playoff.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay. At This is low,
1: 31-31. Will Notre Dame lose Peyton Bowen? Well, uh, this past weekend, Marcus Raven and safeties coach Chris O'Leary were in Texas to watch uh, Peyton Bowen's game, and I'm, I, it seems like that's encouraging – um, he's on the books to visit Notre Dame in uh in November for the Clemson game with his younger brother, who is, I believe, is a sophomore who's also getting recruited as well. So, as I think, as long as Notre Dame can hold on and, and deliver on that weekend in no, early November against Clemson, I'm not saying they have to win that game in order in order for Peyton Bowen to go to Notre Dame. I, I don't think that's how it works, and I think that. We as fans sometimes overreact a little bit to performances on the field and how that impacts recruits. But this is the first time we're actually felt somewhat confident that Notre Dame is actually going to hang on here. Part of that might be because Tex A&M is a fucking mess right now, and I know they're a, a contender. So I, I I don't know why I'd go there unless it's strictly for the bag, which whatever, like if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. But I think out of those three, Notre Dame is probably in the most stable shape, which is pretty shocking. And I, I think that he does really have a good relationship with Marcus Freeman. But honestly, who the hell knows? So I can't give it a definitive yes or no. Yeah,
0: it does seem that things are more positive than they were a few weeks ago. Um, and like you said, Oklahoma and Texas a and getting smoked every week can only help our chances, too. Um, and actually, I think I was listening to Tom Lloyd talk about, He's talking about Jeremiah Love, and I was kind of shocked that this is just out in the open as it was, but he was talking about how Notre Dame had been better trending for Jeremiah Love over the last couple weeks as well. But Texas A&M is the other big contender there. And he basically said like, there is a package in place. Should he go to Texas A&M with NIL? Like, this is what we'll, this is what we'll pay you. I I thought you had to kind of conceal that a little bit more. Like you can't
1: actively, but maybe not. Um, But I just thought that was interesting. I know, and it's so funny that that information is just so out there, and then we'll get Jimbo at a press conference, like, banging on the table, getting pissed at people for saying that they just pay recruits, and that how, that's how they get it. Like, it's, it's information that we all know. Um, all right, so this next one, great question. I love this one. This one comes from DC 32 As we all know, the in-game music is awful. So what would be your pick for a third down song? Great point. It is awful. We've <laughs> talked about it at length. I think
0: we were pretty early to this. Uh, DJ Sticky Booth has got to go. He's trash. Um, <laughs> I mean, we all made fun of Crazy Train, but honestly, I would trade back to that right now. Uh, and uh, the occasional times they would mix in "Do Duhas by Ramstein was always kind of funny, too. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that we are all have reached a consensus that what they currently play is awful, um, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there. So if anybody actually wants to tweet at us, telling us their own responses, and feel feel free to, because I'd be really curious to hear what you have to say. I, I know I brought this up before. This brings back a point. I really think we don't do as good of a job as we could with our run out. Um, they like play. They play. The boys are back when they're in the locker room, and they show a bunch of highlights. And it's like, oh, they should just run out to this right now when people are jumping up and down, and then they show the team prayer, and then cut to Hell's Bells, which is right. really odd. I think they should just run out to that. I think it would be a lot better. So, whoever's listening to this, and and I know it's not Sticky Boots. He's already been getting <laughs> DM'd throughout the uh, the whole th- by a lot of people that listen to this podcast. Um, just if anybody's listening, y- you can have the uh, credit for the idea. But I'm just I'm throwing it out there.
1: Yeah. It seems the uh, they didn't really think through like the progression there from team prayer to Hell's Bells. It's, it seems a little bit ironic there. Uh, so I would pick three because I think the thing with Crazy Train is they played it they on every, played it every single time. third down. Yeah, so you know a huge third down play against USC at night can't be the same song as a third down late in the fourth when Notre Dame's up by fifty on New Mexico State. Like, there needed to be some contrast there, which there never was. I would pick, uh, I'd rotate between these three. I would go Backseat Freestyle by Kendrick Lamar. And then I had to look this up to figure out what this actual name is. It's called New Noise by Refused. It's the song. Luke, you'll definitely know this one. It's the song that's playing in the Friday Night Lights movie Mm -hmm. when they go to the state championship. Like, when they show the uh, shot. Of the Astrodome, that like kind of intense metal song. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yep, yep, I do. And then it's also uh, – I heard it again in uh, – oh, it's on The Bear, that TV show. They play. That's how oh. they open up the entire show, and it's sick. Uh, and then we'll do Thunderstruck by ACDC, uh, do some oldies, give them some love. And uh, I think if you just rotate among those three – We will calm down with our complaints about sticky boots. I just thought of when he played, We're Not Going to Take It, when we were losing to Marshall in the fourth quarter. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, There was also another point last year when we were losing to Toledo. I'm pretty sure
0: it was. I'm pretty. Yeah. (laughs) I think he did it against Navy last year, too, uh, when we were down in uh.
1: this. That's just the ultimate, like, read the room, dude. (laughs) We cannot be playing this right now. Just a.
0: absolute moron.
1: I would, I would almost rather go like silent and just stick with the band. Like we did before, uh, uh, in game tunes, like 2011, that USC game. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I think that's why there's also a negative, uh, association with crazy train because of how that game went off the rails, pun intended. Um, but okay. The next question, this is from Chris Jennis. uh, from what you've seen so far, if grumpy, what does Did I just mess up his I list? think
1: it's groupie, but okay. I,
0: I've heard it multiple ways. All so right. we'll say groupie. If Blake lines up a forty seven <laughs> yard field goal to win down two, what's happening? This is the second question from Chris Jennis regarding groupie, so thanks for that. Um clearly yeah. he's found a bit here, so I like <laughs> that. Uh I think he drills it.
1: That's that's my honest answer. I think he drills it to win the game. I know the the complete 180 that we've done on Blake Groupie from the... I think it was a season preview when we just absolutely destroyed him just based on what we had heard and what we saw that spring game. That, that was gross. But I'm with you, man. I think he nails it. Um, he's been really good so far. I know he did miss that one against North Carolina. It happens. Um, and everything we hear about him is that he's extremely confident. So good on him for being that confident when he's like five, five and 100 pounds. But... He did knock down that first kick of the year in his, or first kick in an Irish uniform in Columbus. We gave that a two percent chance of happening, and he buried it. So credit to him uh, for knocking it down. And all of a sudden, I feel very confident in, in our kicker going forward.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know where that came from, but I'm with you.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's a great development though for the team. Um, mm-hmm. Next one comes from Nick DeSalvo. Why doesn't Notre Dame give Prince Collie a shot? Linebacker play has been very underwhelming this year.
0: So I think we will see him a lot in the first half on Saturday with J.D. Bertrand missing yet another half due to another targeting call. Um, and I think I really am hopeful to see some things out of him. But, yeah, he's right. The linebacker play has been pretty disappointing so far this year. Um, I mean, there's been some, like, brief moments from Marist and that's kind of it. He's had some other moments that have really not been that pretty. Bo Bauer uh, is either hurt or is just not fitting in this new system. I think he is hurt. It sounds he like really... he's
1: hurt, like he's playing through it, but it's one of those that is is really affecting his play. Interesting.
0: So, yeah, uh, they haven't really done a whole lot this year. Um, so, I, I don't know, uh, but I think we will see Prince. Co- I know we will see him a little bit more Um Hopefully more than the ten snaps he played against North Carolina.
1: Yeah, I I'm with you. We saw him a little bit, uh, almost got that targeting. But the I think the biggest issue for for Kali is that he he plays Maris Leifau's position. And I don't think he's as versatile as the other linebackers. And that's probably just because he's only a sophomore and um he's got a bunch of older guys in front of him, but I agree the linebacker play has been pretty underwhelming. Um Jack Kaiser is, you know, I feel like there's a lot of talk about him in the preseason. You'd like to see a little bit more from him. But I, I do think he's going to start playing more and more as the season goes along. And, you know, you got to remember, he's still young. This is his second defensive coordinator in as many years. And he dealt with all kinds of shit last season. So I think that's the reason why it, it's taken him a little bit longer to get adjusted. But it's still very early on in the season. Al Golden seems very high on him. So I think we'll start seeing him more and more.
0: Somewhat related to poor linebacker play. Uh, next question comes from Jack Morris: Two targetings and subpar play. Should Bertrand's <laughs> captainship be revoked? I'll let you take the first crack.
1: <laughs> I I don't know if if he's joking here. Um, I think he's probably somewhere in the yeah, middle. yeah, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Okay, so his captaincy should not be revoked. Let's get that out of the way, especially considering. We all agree that that targeting call against North Carolina was so weak. Notre Dame tried to appeal it. It sounds like that got swiftly denied. But I think Bertrand is is a solid player when he's out there. He's not the best linebacker ever. He's certainly not the most athletic. But last season, he was maybe the most consistent guy on Notre Dame's defense until the very end of the season when he was practically just ran into the ground and he only had one functioning hand. So... I I understand why fans have been disappointed in him in all year or have been disappointed in in him so far this season. But in the very limited action he had against North Carolina, I, I don't know if he got credit for the forced fumble on Drake May, but it was in large part because of the pressure he got on him. So no, don't I don't even want to know what it would take to require getting your your captaincy revoked, but this would certainly not be it.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure we know it's called not paying your parking tickets, like what happened with Ronnie well, Stanley. Yeah, well,
1: he was not a captain yet, it just prevented him from becoming uh, a captain.
0: He was though, if you recall, they named him a captain in the Showtime show and it showed that and then they had to Oh, I
1: didn't it. know that. Wow. Yeah. Okay, then I take it back. Maybe it's actually a lot easier to get <laughs> yeah. to captaincy
0: reverse. Um yeah, Samson actually went in on this pretty hard. I think he called it selfish. It's kind of a whole thing. Um, look, I don't really care if the second targeting was or was not. He can't put himself in that position. Um, and it's a really weird feeling now. It almost feels like a basketball player in foul trouble who can't help himself and just picks up a cheap one when inserted back in the game, knowing he has two or three fouls, and then he finds himself right back on the bench. Like, that's the best thing I can equate it to. Like, honestly, would you be surprised if it happened against Saturday? It just gets – like, at what point – is there a a threshold where if you have so many targeting penalties in a <laughs> year, you're just done?
1: Um, they honestly, I would not be surprised, surprised if that's actually a rule, and it's one of those things that, like, we've never had anyone get this close. Um, I feel like that Skalski
0: you know, douchebag probably was pretty close. That's true. He
1: had, like, 100 over the course of three <laughs> years. Um, But I, I think it's going to be, like, the inverse of what you just said, where now he's going to play differently. Like, he's not going to – um, just play with reckless abandon because he's probably going to be worried every time right. oh, I'm going to get a targeting, and then that's going to probably lead to missed tackles. So really unfortunate situation for him. I want to go back to that Samson point. Was he saying the North Carolina one was a selfish play? Because the Cal one was just dumb. Like his target against Cal was stupid, and if he was saying that was a selfish play, I get that. But not the North Carolina one. I thought he was just, you know, he put himself in a bad position. Yeah, it was the Cal one, Okay, um, I think. Yeah, Yeah, that one was just dumb. Like, situationally, it was just stupid. But uh, if he gets another one this week, like I I don't even know what you do at at that point. But um, all right, last one. This is the last one for the fans, and I got one for you as we uh, wrap it up here. Uh, This one comes from Michael Bonello. Freeman is completing bed checks at 8.30 p.m. PT in Vegas. Are any suspensions looming?
0: Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about that. Um, You know, Maybe if Chuck Martin was still the offensive coordinator, you might have some coaches at the casino. Um, (laughs) But this is, thankfully, an Irish football team and not an Irish basketball team. So I don't think there should be any repeat of the Jack in Cleveland from a few March nights in 2015. I'm not going to say anything further, but um, (laughs) let's just say uh, that basketball team loved casinos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk more about that offline. I have to say... 8.30 seems very early for a bed check, if you ask me. And I know it's Marcus Freeman, but, like, it's also – isn't it possible that, like, they come in at 8.30 and they just leave after? I I don't know.
0: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I didn't realize – I guess this does make sense. There were people, like pissed off that Freeman was doing this, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but they are like, find a GA to do that. Like you could be watching film or game planning. Like if, if we're game planning 10 hours before <laughs> yeah, game exactly. time, we
1: have other issues. Yeah. If we're still trying to figure it out, that that's not really good. Um, but no, uh, knock on wood, Notre Dame hasn't really had any, any suspensions like this in a while. And it doesn't appear to us that there's a uh, Max Redfield on the team who, uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty sure it was his number one mission when he got onto Notre Dame's campus to get suspended. He got suspended multiple times. Literally, he got dismissed from the school. I think he's literally banned from campus. (laughs) But he had a lot of other instances where he didn't get caught, and I'll just leave it at that. And uh, I think the team in this roster uh, has their head on their shoulders a little bit more – they're just a little bit more aware. And and hopefully – um, a little bit more focus on the game than in the past.
0: Yeah, Max Redfield is playing football in Italy now, apparently. Uh, that's bizarre. Did not know that one. You think they got good
1: football in Italy? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. This last question. Uh, it's really not a question. It's, it's, uh, I just need a, a personal statement from you as the leader of the Clarence Lewis Revenge Tour today. <laughs> what has been uh, very clear on the field Benjamin Morrison is now the starter at corner, or at one of the corners, over Clarence Lewis. Um, you've been leading the train on the Clarence Lewis Revenge Tour since pretty much after the Fiesta Bowl. Can we just get your official word on this development?
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because, I mean, he only played 10 snaps against uh, UNC and and. Several of them were not very good. Um, But what was interesting was that he had actually been playing pretty well, I thought, in the games leading up to that. So to see that kind of just drop off in terms of snaps and, uh, I mean, whatever. They clearly love Benjamin Morrison, but – and that's fine. He's a really good player. But I don't think his story's done yet. There's going to be a moment for Clarence Lewis at some point. I I don't know what it is, but there's going to be a moment.
1: I love that. I think they're going to need him, honestly. Yeah. Like – I mean, Benjamin Morrison, as good as he is, and it seems like this Notre Dame team is extremely high on him. Marcus Freeman raved about him again in the press conference today, and I believe it was Pete Sampson as well who said that in the summer, um, he asked a coach on the staff uh, about Benjamin Morrison, like what to expect. And that source said that he is the best cornerback Notre Dame has recruited in 10 years. Hmm. This is pretty high praise. That's better than Julian Love, who, by the way, is a damn good player for the Giants now. So uh, very high praise, but I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that'll do it for this episode of Sons of Saturday Irish. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Sons of Sat Irish. And please like and subscribe on YouTube or rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. For Luke and myself, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.